Story Hour Audio Adventures presents Zack and the Pangalactic Starflight Racer, Chapter 2, Lava Planet. Zack stared at the silver alien spaceship as it descended through the low-lying clouds and settled primly in the forest not far from Zack's home. The small craft was very different from the last spaceship he had seen. Indeed, these two vessels were nearly exact opposites. Whereas the space racer he had ridden in before had been lean and built to slip artfully between the fabrics of space with little concession to the comfort of the people inside, this vessel appeared stout and elegant, almost regal. Zack waited while the ship hissed and sighed as it vented its excess heat generated by the landing. Finally, after several minutes, a voice issued from the ship. Good evening. May I assume I am addressing the being known as Ape Boy? Zack sighed, despite his repeated protestations that he was not an ape and that he would prefer being called Zack or, frankly, anything other than Ape Boy, his new friend Zingle seemed unable to call him anything else. <sighs> yes, I'm Ape Boy. Immediately, a small ramp extended from the ship to settle on the forest floor in front of Zack. A sprightly tune played from within the vessel, and a thin red carpet rolled down the ramp to stop at Zack's feet. It is a great honor to meet you, sir. Please step aboard so that I may convey you to our humble planet. Zack shrugged and walked up the ramp. As the inside of the gleaming vessel became visible, he slowed and then finally halted altogether. The inside of the ship was more finely decorated and beautifully designed than anything he'd ever seen. Delicate golden filigree floated serenely along the ceiling, while the thick carpet waved and undulated slightly like gently flowing grass. Soft-form chairs and couches were arranged with precision to provide maximum comfort to the inhabitants, while small hovering machines zipped and whirred around carrying trays of drinks and snacks. Please, sir, make your way into the vessel so that we may get underway. You are welcome, of course, to all the amenities. Zack stepped into the luxurious vessel and several hovering trays floated before him, each filled with a variety of treats and drinks. The food and drink have been calibrated to your metabolism, of course, so you are safe to sample any of the dishes we provide. Please make yourself comfortable. Zack was already comfortable. The thick rug beneath his feet shifted and swayed as he walked, supporting him and making him feel like he was floating. Gentle force fields massaged his arms and legs as he stood reveling in the decadent luxury of the ship. Zack figured this ship must be like an intergalactic version of a limousine. Oh, this is so much better than sleeping in a litter box. Zack threw himself into the couch. The couch caught Zack and cradled him in its plush folds, and it rocked him gently back and forth and hummed a soothing tune. So, when do we take off? We already have. A large section of one curved wall suddenly flashed to display the view from outside the ship. The earth was a rapidly retreating blue sphere, and Zack watched for a while as it shrank to marble size and then a tiny blue speck as they sped away at incredible speeds. While on the space racer, every turn and change in acceleration pushed and pulled at its occupants, but this spacecraft was clearly built for comfort. Are you the pilot? Where are you? I am the vessel's piloting and navigation system. I reside within the ship's computer. Please relax while I translate us into end space. We will be arriving at Oddbad Planet in three hours. The mention of their destination sobered Zack a little. Zingle, the intergalactic space racing champion and Zack's friend, had told him of Oddbad Planet. 
a tiny little world that was covered almost entirely with active volcanoes and molten lava. Floating on a sea of lava was a single little island. Bobbing gently in the eddies and swirls of molten rock, this island was the only place on the planet that was habitable. It was here that Zingle had lived. Once Zingle, with Zack's help, had won the Intergalactic Space Racing Championship, Zondafor, Zingle's boss, had promised to release him and his sister from servitude and transport them to the vacation planet of New Galactina. For some reason, Zondafor had double-crossed them and imprisoned the siblings instead. Zack's job, when he arrived on the Little World, was to rescue Zingle and his sister and help them escape the clutches of Zondafor. It's odd that Zingle, from within his prison, had somehow managed to secure for him such a luxurious limousine. Zack chewed thoughtfully on a tray of snacks. These were delicious. Sudden inspiration caused him to sit upright and call to the ceiling. Uh, hello? Ship? Are you still there? Of course, sir. How can I help you? Do you have any... video games? Of course, sir. We have several varieties of electronic entertainment. I have several thousands of the most popular games available. Which one would you like to play? Zack grinned. All of them. Zack barrel rolled in three dimensions, spinning wildly to avoid attack. Green lances of laser energy reached for his craft but missed the violently swerving ship. Suddenly, Zack's out-of-control fighter craft righted itself and, still traveling backwards at incredible speed, spewed red death back at the pursuing fighter. The vessel exploded with a satisfying thump. Yes! Ah, oh, gotcha! Zack leaned back on the couch, exhausted. He pulled a pair of streamlined sunglasses from his face and looked around the luxury vessel. He had to remind himself that he was still inside the limousine. The sights, sounds, and sense of motion provided by the sunglasses were so real, so pervasive, it was easy to forget where he was. Ah, oh, that was the most amazing game I've ever played! Do you have any more? Of course, your highness. We will be arriving at Odd Bad Planet shortly. Would you like anything else to eat or drink first? Oh no, I'm fine. These little cookies are great. What did you mean, your highness? That is, of course, the correct form of address for royalty. Royalty? I, I'm not royalty, I'm just Zack. You are the Royal Highness Ape Boy III, Crown Prince of Earth? Uh, no, I'm no prince. We don't really have a prince of Earth. Who, who told you we did? I was informed through official channels to transport the Crown Prince of Earth, named Ape Boy, to Oddbad Planet for an official first contact ceremony. This is standard procedure for all planets who have been officially introduced into the Galactic Federation. I have no idea what you're talking about. Earth doesn't know anything about a galactic confederation. Are you kidding? People would freak out if they knew aliens really existed. Security! Zack skidded across the floor of the little storage closet until he hit the wall opposite. Zack had been quite surprised when the floating robots delivering snacks had suddenly dropped their trays and grabbed Zack, picking him up off the ground. They had held him there, legs dangling, while the ship yelled and screamed at him. After all the yelling, he was less surprised when the robot threw him into a storage closet. How dare you impersonate a member of the royal family! Do you have any idea how much trouble I'm in? You? I'm the one stuck in this closet! I should just vent you out into outer space! <gasps> this was my first royal transport, my big chance for promotion! What will they say when I deliver this half-formed creature? Hey! I should have known. No royalty, no matter how 
backward and ugly. Hey, would play video games and drop crumbs all over my carpet. I should have known, really. Why would a first contact ceremony take place in this hideous lava planet? I was so excited about my chance for promotion, I never considered that royalty, real royalty, would never go there. I'm ruined, you know. I'll never make royal transport grade now. I'll be relegated to diplomatic courier or, or, or alien abduction transport now. And it's all your fault! How dare you! I'm going to contact the police, by the way. When they get here, you will be in a lot of trouble. Impersonating royalty is a very serious offense. If you are lucky, you might only get one life sentence. Zack slumped back against the wall of the storage closet. This adventure had started out so nicely, he thought. He had had no idea he was impersonating royalty. Zingle must have somehow tricked the ship's pilot into thinking he was a prince, so that it would travel to Earth to pick Zack up. Zack sighed. It had almost worked, and now he was going to prison for life. Zack's fingers idly traced a ridge on the floor of the closet. Deep in thought, he didn't notice that the ridge extended all the way across the closet and then back, forming a large rectangle. It wasn't until his finger, still following the crease, bumped into his leg that he looked to see what his hand had been doing. Oh, it looks like an access panel. Hmm, interesting. I wonder what I can get to from here. Besides video games, Zack had one great interest. At home, much of his room was filled with bits and pieces of electronics and machinery. His parents had long since given up trying to prevent him from taking apart everything he owned. He just had to know how things worked. He loved the intricate little gears and springs and the ingenious ways they were assembled. The pieces never stayed apart for long, however, as Zack was equally adept at putting those pieces back together. By swapping components from one toy with another and rebuilding circuits by hand, he could often make significant improvements. His walkie-talkies were clearer and had greater range. Remote control cars ran faster and lasted longer. Many of the neighborhood children came to him, disappointed that their toys didn't work as well as advertised. Zack could always tweak them a little, improving on the toy's design. Beyond his own experimenting, he didn't have any formal training. His fingers just seemed to know what to do. Zack pulled open the panel and peered down into a service hatch, providing access to some aspects of the ship's circuitry. The maze of components looked a lot like a miniature city. Glowing blue lines zigzagged around gray blocks of different sizes. Tiny blue sparks traveled along the lines like traffic through the city. Zack ran his fingers along the components, careful to avoid the blue sparks. He didn't know what the blocks were exactly, but as his fingers brushed the components, he found the pieces hummed slightly as the energy flowed through them. Taking a deep breath, Zack yanked the largest control piece from the circuit. A muffled thump echoed through the storage closet as an even thicker emergency door slammed shut across the storage closet door. Oh, great. Now I'm really stuck. What are you doing? Do not touch my circuitry! Get away from that access panel, you filthy little ape! Zack's eyes narrowed. He was starting to not like this ship. He began yanking on block after block, pulling them all from the circuitry in the panel. Stop calling me ape! Stop that! Get away from the panel! Please don't... That is very delicate... Okay, look, I'm sorry I called you Ape Boy. You told me that was your name. Please stop pulling out my circuitry. 
If you disable any more of my higher functions, I won't be able to navigate this vessel, and we'll both be stuck in end space. I haven't called the police yet. I can just take you home and we'll both forget this ever happened. No, I want to go to Odd Bad Planet. Why? Have you ever been there? It's a horrible place, even for a spaceship. I have a friend that needs help. Fine. But after I drop you off, I'm erasing this entire incident from my databanks. Fine by me. Can you let me out of this closet now? Alright, but no more snacks. I can't stand any more crumbs on my carpet. A short time later, the luxury spaceship hovered over a small island in a sea of molten lava. Despite the computer's best effort, the ship buffeted slightly as waves of heat blasted the hull. The ship had been correct about one thing. This was a horrible place. The planet was forever eclipsed by an enormous gas giant, which blocked out the sun's feeble rays. The planet was dimly lit only by the intense red glow of the lava, making everything look either blood red or coal black. The lava sea bubbled and roiled, creating indiscriminate currents and deadly whirlpools of molten rock. The ship had warned Zack that it could only stay near the surface for a few minutes, as the entire island was frequently buried beneath massive tsunami of lava. The living area is completely buried beneath the surface of the island. Once I drop you off, you'll have to find an entrance to the underground living complex very quickly, as no one can live on the surface for long. Based on your physiology, I would estimate you have no more than ten minutes to get below. Okay. Where is the entrance? How do I get inside? I will place you directly adjacent to the entranceway. You will need to enter a security passphrase in order to gain entrance to the facility. Okay, what's the passphrase? How would I know? My job is to deliver you here, nothing else. Once I drop you off, you're on your own. Zack frowned. The ship was clearly still angry at Zack for damaging the higher processing functions. It was probably hoping that Zack would be unable to bypass the security system and roast like a marshmallow on the rocky shores of the lava sea. Fine, I'll figure it out. Just drop me off, okay? As ordered. Rocking from the gale-force winds and intense heat, the luxury transport settled slowly onto the only landing platform on the island. A doorway opened in the hull, and Zack stepped out of the galactic limousine and onto Odd Bad Planet. The moment he stepped through the protective force field that shielded the spacecraft, Zack was blasted with waves of heat so intense his knees buckled. He was reminded of helping his dad bake a cake in the extreme heat on his face as he removed the pan from the hot oven. This was much worse. Zack felt like he was inside the oven. Every breath burned his throat and lungs, and he coughed from the smoke and fumes of molten rock. Zack staggered to the entrance of the underground complex, a round metal door set directly into the rock cliff. Sweat dripped into his face, making it difficult to see as he groped at the control panel. Dimly above the roar of the blistering wind and splash of molten lava on the island shore, Zack could hear a voice. Identification, please. Please, let me in! It's too hot out here! I'm sorry, I require identification before I can grant access to the facility. I'm, I'm Zack! Let me in! I have no record of Zack. Please provide proper security clearance. Zack banged weakly on the metal door. He was already feeling very weak. The heat seemed to suck all of his energy. He fell to his knees, his jeans smoking on the blistering rock. Zack was beginning to panic. His brain was getting fuzzy and he couldn't think. There had to be a way in. Of course, they wouldn't know Zack. They were expecting a prince. Wait, wait! I'm the Prince of Earth! Pr prince Ape Boy! Thank you. 
Security clearance granted. Please step inside. The large metal doorway rolled open and Zack crawled inside, gasping for breath. The door closed behind him and the air immediately cooled as the air conditioning units hummed to life. Zack lay on the floor, coughing and gasping, as the cool air bathed his lungs. After a moment, another door opened. Good day to you, your highness. Zack rolled over and blearily searched for the source of the voice. When he spied the thing standing before him, he squeaked and scrambled backwards until his back pressed against the door. If it hadn't meant certain death to go back into the storm outside, he would have palmed that control panel and run screaming back into the boiling lava. The thing before him was hideous. Zack was immediately reminded of the long slugs that inched their way around his garden at home, but this creature was easily twice as long as Zack was tall. The front half of the long, glistening body lifted off the ground so the eye stalks could regard Zack at eye level. Hundreds of tiny, stunted arms with long fingers waved like ocean coral along the sides of the body. Zack closed his eyes to the nightmare and fervently wished he could just go home. Your Highness, are you feeling all right? It is such a pleasure to have you visit our little facility. We have never had visiting royalty here before, especially a first contact. We think it is so sweet that your planet's first foray into the galactic civilization had you visiting a little mining company such as ours. I will be your steward while you're visiting. Can I take you to your quarters? Zack opened his eyes and looked at the creature before him. On second inspection, no, it was still a hideous monster, but there was a kind of gentle compassion to the way it held its eye stalks and rustled its hundreds of arms. It blinked at him curiously, patiently waiting for Zack to respond. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm honored to be here. Yes, please. C- could I go to my room? Of course, sir. Please walk this way. The giant slug turned and, with the rippling of its long pseudopod, made its way into the brightly lit white hallway. Zack followed cautiously, curious about the inside of the facility. On Zack's first step into the hallway, his foot slipped out from under him, and with a wild flailing of his arms, he landed flat on his back on the floor. He discovered then that the hallway floor was covered in a layer of slime about a centimeter thick. The slime was completely clear, like the cleaning gel Zack sometimes saw in public bathrooms, but had little colorful cubes floating within it. Zack stood warily, trying to stay balanced on the wickedly slippery slime. He noticed his escort watching him with interest. Are you hungry? What? What? Why is there slime all over the floor? This is our standard floor covering. Is it not to your taste? I apologize. We have not had an opportunity to study your world's culture. The gelatinous covering is provided for those beings, such as myself, that require a moist surface for moving about. The little colorful blocks are food, which we ingest through our skin lining. (laughs) It is so quaint, you don't know this. How fascinating. Zack tried to clear away the goo from his hair, arms, and legs. Everywhere, really, as he was covered from head to toe in the stuff. The steward moved ahead, twisting its long eye stalks so it could watch Zack behind him. After a few false steps, he discovered that if he slid along the floor like he was skating, he could move fairly surely. The steward waved the first of its hundred arms as it beckoned to Zack. Ready, then. Please follow me. Your suite is just up here. Zack followed the creature, skating with more confidence. Finally, the alien turned and pointed through an open door with its eye stalks. After you, sir. Zack skated into his room and promptly crashed to the floor again as the slime layer stopped at the hallway. This room was floored with lightly packed dirt. In fact, the entire room looked like a cave, 
with rock walls and small boulders forming crude chairs, a table, and a bed in the corner. Stick figure cave drawings have been artfully placed along the walls. I hope you find the room comfortable. We went to some trouble to create an environment that was familiar to you. Would you like some trees to swing from as well? We are fabricating them for you now. We hope you find this agreeable. Really? thought Zack. A cave? Trees to swing on? He turned angrily to face the monster at the doorway. The alien, with his gently waving arms, undulating pseudopod, and long eye stalks, suddenly struck Zack as a thing or, or a being or whatever, who was trying very hard to be helpful. It occurred to him that he no longer found the creature hideous. Beneath the slimy, many-armed exterior might even be a real, decent um, person. Talk about not judging a book by its cover. Zack forced a small smile. Uh, no, this is great. Thank you for all your help. I really appreciate it. You are quite welcome, sir. The alien turned to leave, fifty or so arms on one side, waving goodbye. Oh, uh, excuse me. What is your name? My name, sir. I am... Wow, I don't think I can do that one. Can I just call you Sluggy? Of course, sir. Is there anything else I can do for you? Do you know where I might find a jail cell? Somewhere a person could be held prisoner? Oh, dear. I don't think you will want to see any of that during our tour. Those sort of ne'er-do-wells would be incarcerated in the brig on the 132nd floor. I think we will be staying on the official tours, though. Perhaps some rest now, and then I can escort you along some of the processing areas. We are mining one of the most rare elements in the galaxy. This planet, Oddbad, is the only known source of zerodomite. Master Zondafor, the owner of this mining operation, was quite happy to have you tour the entire facility, though he will not be able to join us today. I think you will find the tour very interesting. Oh, I've left some sharpened limestone, if you wish to add to the cave drawings. We are all very interested in any artwork you wish to produce. Before Zack could think of a response to that, the creature left the room and the door closed behind him. Zack looked around at his cave and shook his head in disbelief. Oh, brother. Zack decided not to explore the little cave, although he was dying to find out if the rock bed was actually a rock or something a little softer. Instead, he decided to get right to the business at hand. He assumed that he was now on level 1, with level 2 directly below him, and the higher numbered levels continuing downwards under the surface of the island. He wondered how large this facility was. First things first, he reminded himself. Find an elevator, get to level 132, find Zingle, and get out of here. Zack moved over to the door, and it opened obediently. He looked out, cautiously looking for Sluggy. The hallway was empty. Carefully, to avoid falling into the thick layer of slime, Zack eased out of his room and skated down the hallway. He was starting to enjoy himself, even building up some speed, when something pitch black suddenly loomed up in front of him, and he crashed into it. The creature he collided with didn't even move, completely unaffected by the impact. Zack, however, landed hard on the floor, slime once again coating his face, hair, and body. Zack angrily wiped at his eyes, trying to clear away enough of the mucus to see what he'd crashed into. What are you doing? Didn't you see me? Zack was immediately sorry he'd spoken so harshly. When his vision cleared, the creature before him looked like one you don't want to make angry. The thing looked like an oil slick that just stood up and started loping around. It was completely black, 
with the shiny rainbow of color of a puddle that's been contaminated with oil. It had no noticeable eyes or mouth or features of any kind. The skin of the creature bulged and rippled at random, arms and pseudopods and heads forming and then retreating back into the body. Even without eyes, it seemed to glare at Zack. Oh, gross! Is that how you talk? Ugh, that's disgusting. Oh, I understand. Are you lost, little one? Have you lost your owner? What? Don't worry, little one. I'll help you. Staff are not allowed to have pets at the facility. Apparently someone forgot that little rule. Would you like a little treat? I am not a... Zack stopped. As much as he hated being called a pet, it might be better if everyone thought he was one, for now. A pet could move around the facility much easier than a prince. Zack sighed and scratched under his armpits. <sighs> ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm a monkey. Do you have a banana? Oh, that is so very adorable. I'm sorry, little one. I don't have a banana. Do you know where your daddy is? Zack picked an imaginary bug in his hair and ate it. Uh, level 132? Oh, I'm not allowed on level 132, but I'll show you where the lift is and you can ride it down to see your daddy, okay? Follow me. The giant oil slick collapsed into a puddle and rippled down the hallway. Zack followed until it stopped at an alcove with a large hole in the floor. There you go, little one. Hop on. Zack stared at the hole. There was nothing to hop on to. He peered over the edge of the opening. Each level beneath it had the same opening and the same kind of alcove. Zack couldn't see the bottom level. The open elevator shaft stretched downwards forever, without an ending in sight. I think I'll just wait until the elevator gets here. Oh, that's so cute. Here you go, little buddy. The oil slick extended a pseudopod and nudged Zack forwards into the hole. His stomach dropped as his foot stepped onto empty air. Something stopped him from falling, however. Despite its invisibility, whatever filled the elevator shaft floor was solid. He turned back to the alien. Wow! That is so cool! Level 132, please. Request acknowledged. Hey, thank- <laughs> The invisible floor beneath Zack suddenly dropped, and Zack fell with it. Faster and faster he plummeted, the levels blurring as he passed by. Fuzzy glimpses of offices and stores and aliens of every kind unimaginable whisked by as he fell through the elevator shaft. Before he can get his breath, the lift slowed and finally stopped, depositing Zack on the 132nd floor. Shakily, Zack stepped off the invisible platform and surveyed his surroundings. This level was very different from level 1, or indeed any of the levels he had flashed past on the elevator. The walls and ceiling were rough-hewn rock, with no effort made to make the area comfortable or homey. Water clung to the walls like sweat. The air felt hot and sticky, the humidity making it hard to breathe. Bright white lights glared down, casting harsh shadows on mining equipment that littered the level. Having learned from experience, Zack checked the floor before walking. No layer of slime covered the floor on this level. Perhaps those beings that needed the slime never journeyed to the 132nd floor. As Zack stepped onto the bumpy rock and slowly walked down the deserted hallway, he marveled at the equipment and supplies there. Racks of tools, presumably for mining, lined the side of the hallway. Small platforms, like flat-bottomed shopping carts, hovered above the floor in small alcoves set into the walls. Zack crept down the hallway, looking for some hint of a jail or a cage, when he heard a voice. Get the anti-grav loaders prepped. 
Zack gasped. He recognized that voice. It was Zondafor, Zingle's boss, and the very one that imprisoned Zingle here at Odd Bad Planet. Zack hid behind a rack of mining supplies as the owner of that intimidating voice approached. Zack peeked around a rack of mining equipment and spied for the very first time Zingle's boss. That menacing voice emanated from a tiny little being that barely reached Zack's waist. His legs were ridiculously short, perhaps the length of Zack's hand, and ended in tiny stubby feet. Above the low waist, the alien's figure ballooned outward with incredibly thick muscular arms and a massive chest. Each arm was as thick as Zack's legs and rippled with bulging muscles under a rubbery brick-red skin. Zondafor's head appeared squashed, like an overcooked baked potato with small black eyes, large pointed ears, and a tuft of black hair that pointed straight up. The boss turned and glared up at its companion. Prep the Chewamorph and box it up for transport. I want everyone ready to go when I give the word. By tomorrow at this time, we will all be very, very rich. <laughs> the other being nodded once, an oddly shaped creature with long gorilla arms hidden beneath a mass of leather and mining gear, which then turned and disappeared down the hallway. Zondivore stomped to the lift and blasted upwards to another level. He had said the Chewamorph. Was he talking about Fluffy? While racing on the pan-galactic Starflyer race, Zack and Zingle's ship had been nearly destroyed by a Chewamorph, a large pink starfish-shaped creature that ate absolutely everything, and was, as far as they knew, completely indestructible. No one knew exactly where Chewamorphs had come from. Many believed that their original homeworld was eaten straight through to the core, the resulting explosion scattering them around the galaxy. Others believed they were created by some deranged scientist bent on destroying the universe. Regardless, Zingle had managed to befriend the insatiable creature and prevent it from eating their race ship. In the end, Zingle had actually become rather fond of the eating machine and had adopted it as a pet, despite the fact that the rest of the civilization considered Chewamorphs one of the most dangerous creatures in the galaxy. Once the passage was clear, Zack crept from his hiding place and padded lightly up the hallway. He had to follow the rocky corridor for some distance before he came upon the shimmering wall of a force field. The field looked like the surface of a swimming pool with little wavelets rippling the surface. Through the watery distortion, Zack could see Zingle seated on a low bench, his arms crossed. Zack then noticed another Zingle, pacing the small cell in an agitated fashion. There were two of them? Zack could hear muffled arguments through the shield. Zingle? Zingle! The two Zingles didn't respond, didn't even look up. Zack supposed either the rippling barrier blocked the sound from this direction, or the two Zingles were too busy arguing to hear him. Zack looked for a control panel. There must be some way to shut this force field down. Zack finally spied a small rectangle, set low into the wall of the cavern. Low enough for Zondafor to reach, Zack supposed. He hurried over to inspect the panel. There were a series of lights and buttons, but no labels Zack recognized. There was no way to know what each of the colorful lights might mean. Zack experimentally jabbed at a few buttons. There was a muffled click from within the control panel, and Zack turned to Zingle's cell. The force field was still active, but now it was slowly moving inwards towards the back of the cell. The two Zingles had stopped arguing and were now yelling for help. One Zingle picked up a chair and threw it at the force field. The chair disappeared in a blinding flash and a puff of smoke. Zack could see now why they were so scared. If that force field moved too far to the back of the cell, the two Zingles would run out of room and have to touch the shield. Would his friend disappear in a flash of light and a puff of smoke as well? Zack lunged back to the control panel and frantically poked at the buttons. Nothing he did seemed to slow the inexorable crawl of the force field as it moved closer and closer to his friend. 
panicking himself now, Zack ripped at the covering to the control panel. The circuitry beneath were those same familiar gray blocks surrounded by blue lines of energy. Zack yanked out the largest block. Fresh new yells of panic drew Zack back to the cell. The shield was moving even faster now. It had already moved halfway through the small room. Sparks flew as it slowly ate the bench. Zack cursed under his breath. He couldn't just pull components out at random. He had to figure it out. Disable the panel. Zack let his fingers brush over the circuits. He closed his eyes, feeling for the flow of energy through the components. He ignored the shouting from inside the cell as he tried to identify the pieces in the puzzle. Indecipherable alien technology or not, Zack could always sense how the circuits worked, how they fit together. Each component contributed to the whole, but there is always a linchpin, a single piece that held the whole thing together. Zack stopped. A tiny gray cylinder, barely larger than his fingernail, thrummed with power. An enormous amount of energy was being directed through it. Zack chanced a glance at the cell. The two Zingles had pressed themselves against the far wall as the shield moved closer and closer. Only seconds remained before his friends disappeared in a blinding flash of smoke. Reaching into the panel, Zack wedged a fingernail under the component and flicked it out. Immediately, the thrumming shield vanished. Woohoo! We're saved! Oh, thank the weak-kneed king of Rignalis! Zack stood up on the low panel and stepped into the cell. The two Zingles were panting hard, recovering from their scare. Zack walked up to one of the Zingles and patted him on the shoulder. Wow, that was close! The alien turned, and upon seeing Zack for the first time, screamed and pushed Zack hard. Zack fell to the floor, staring in bewilderment at his friend's odd behavior. Ape boy! Zack turned to the other alien. A big smile creased his gray face. I knew you would save us. Good job! Zack looked back at the first alien. It was brushing frantically where Zack had touched it, as though Zack had splattered it with mud. Wow! You really came at the right time, I tell you. We were very close to being flashed to vapor by that force field. Thank goodness you stopped it! Well, I was pretty worried too. But when I opened the panel, I could tell what components drove the shield, so I just yanked it out. The other Zingle stopped brushing at its shoulder and glared at Zack. You broke the control panel? Why didn't you just enter the stop sequence? Stop sequence? What stop sequence? Who are you, anyway? This is Zeddy, my sister. You didn't have to break the panel. He likes to break things. You could have just entered the stop sequence, you know, red, red, green, red, blue. Well, I pushed some buttons on the panel, but that started the force field moving. You started the shield collapse? You almost had us flashed! Well, how am I supposed to know how to stop a force field? I've never even heard of a stop sequence. There aren't any instructions or anything. Every child knows what a stop sequence is. You don't need instructions posted everywhere for something like that. Zack opened his mouth to argue, but then closed it again. He realized there was some truth to what Zingle was saying. At home, Zack didn't need instructions pasted beside every light switch or doorknob. Everyone just knew how they operated. Zack realized there may be dangers here on an alien planet beyond the obvious lava and force fields. On Earth, everyone just knows to keep your hands away from a hot oven. What other dangers might be lurking on this planet that everyone else already knows to avoid? Well, I didn't know, but I got you out, didn't I? Now that he had time to look, he realized Zingle did not look exactly like his sister. They were both about the same height, about Zack's size. They both had the same thin, wrinkly gray arms and bulbous head. Both had over-large, unblinking eyes and thin slits for mouths. However, Zeddy had a slight purple shading across her neck, and her ears were slightly smaller and rounder. As long as Zack paid close attention, he wouldn't mistake her for Zingle again. Another identifying feature was the look of disgust on Zeddy's face. 
This is the creature that helped you win the Pan-Galactic Starflyer race? What did it do? Bash the drive components with a club? I know! That's what I thought. But I would have never won the race without his help. He's a lot smarter than he looks. Hey! Zack flashed a look of annoyance at Zingle. He was getting really tired of being treated like some dumb animal. Angrily, he turned to Zingle's sister. Look, I'm really getting tired of being treated like a freak. You don't know me, and until you do, you don't get to judge me. I don't care if I look like an ape to you. You wouldn't believe the creatures I've seen today. You get to know someone first, then you decide if you like them or not, no matter what they look like. Get it? Zeddy glanced at Zingle with a, your pet is yelling at me, look, and then focused a withering gaze on Zack. Security will be coming soon now that you've destroyed the control panel. We'd better get out of here while we still can. Do you have an escape plan? How are we getting off this rock? Um, yeah, I don't really have a plan. We just need to get back to the ship. Where did you park the ambassadorial cruiser that picked you up? Um, I ran into a little trouble with that one. Oh, no. You made it mad, didn't you? Do you know how difficult it was to convince the ambassadorial services you were a prince on a first contact visit? How was I supposed to know I was supposed to be royalty? I told it I wasn't the Prince of Earth and it locked me in a closet. I had to yank out its higher memory functions until it agreed to drop me off this planet. Zeddy rolled her eyes at her brother. Bashed it with a club. Zack tried to ignore the smug look of satisfaction on Zeddy's face and turned to Zingle. I saw Zondafor when I was sneaking up here. He was saying something about packing up Fluffy for a trip and about becoming very rich. What is he doing? Zingle's face clouded and he began to pace back and forth along the width of the cell. Zondafor was ecstatic about winning the Pangalactic race. He was going to be true to his word and deliver us to New Galactina, the vacation planet. Then he discovered Fluffy. At first he thought that Chuamorph would destroy the mining operation here. Zingle's face broke out into a huge grin. Ah, but Fluffy was doing so well. After I dropped you off at Earth, I taught him not to eat everything it found. I could let him move around the ship and he wouldn't eat anything until I told him he could. When Zondafor found that Zingle had tamed the most dangerous creature in the galaxy, he locked us up and took Fluffy away. That was the last we've seen of him. Down the hall, towards the mining equipment and the elevator to the surface, they heard shouts and the sound of stomping feet. Something was coming. Let's get out of here. We'll find another way off this planet. Zack and Zeddy turned to run down the hallway, looking for a place to hide before the security team arrived. Zingle sat on the floor of the cell, arms crossed. What are you doing? Get up! We have to go! I'm not going anywhere without Fluffy. You two go on ahead. Whatever they have planned for Fluffy, they'll have to take me with them. Only I can control them. They can't hurt him. If anything, with you gone, Fluffy will probably destroy the whole place. He'll be fine. Zingle stared stubbornly at the far wall, arms crossed, his mouth pursed together in a thin line. I am not leaving without Fluffy. The sounds of shouting were louder. They would be upon them in seconds. Finally, Zack gave up. Fine, but don't expect me to stick around to rescue you. Again. Zack and Zeddy turned and bolted down the hallway. Just in time, they came to the racks of mining equipment and hid behind the hovering platforms. Zondafor rushed past with a pack of gorilla-shaped creatures, hidden beneath bronze helmets and layers of thick leather. Evidently, this was the security team Zeddy was worried about. So now what, genius? Are you going to run away and leave my brother alone on this miserable planet? 
Of course not. I just said that to try to get him to come with us. I'm not leaving until we've rescued Zingle and Fluffy. <sighs> but I have no idea how we're going to do it. What are you doing? You smell nice. Like chocolates and blueberry or something. Uh, get away from me, monkey. They waited then until Zondafor and the security team returned up the hallway. Zingle walked awkwardly with his hands behind his back and a collar around his neck. Behind the security team, Fluffy floated on an anti-gravity platform. Suspended by a force field, the Chuamorph floated upside down. The meter-wide starfish's tentacles dangled lifelessly, the one's pink, rubbery fur limp and gray. Fluffy looked sick and worn. Once the prisoners had been whisked away by the elevator, Zack and Zeddy extricated themselves from their hiding spot and padded down the hallway. We have to find out where they've taken my brother. Did you see Fluffy? He did not look healthy. I don't think they're feeding him. What do they want with him? I don't know. They stopped when they arrived at the elevator. Zeddy stepped onto the invisible platform and Zack followed. They stood for a moment, floating slightly over the floor. How do we find where they've taken Zingle? Monkey, you simply ask the elevator, but you can't- Um, elevator, take us to the same floor you took Zonda for? Request acknowledged. No! Zack flashed a triumphant look at Zeddy as the lift rocketed up to the facility's levels flashing past. Hey, who's the monkey now? The elevator abruptly stopped on the first floor. Zack's jubilant expression vanished as he realized they had stopped directly behind Zondafor and his security team. The security guards were assembled in a rough semicircle like a football team in a huddle, listening intently to Zondafor. Zack froze. There was nowhere to hide or run. He glanced at Zeddy, who stood frozen, eyes wide, her fist jammed into her mouth to stop herself from screaming. They couldn't call to the elevator without being noticed. If Zondafor or any of the security team moved their heads or just glanced to the side, they'd be caught. There was nothing they could do but just stand there, open and exposed, as Zondafor instructed the security team. I want you to find the sister and whoever broke them out of their cell. What do we do when we find them? Single is the only one we need to keep safe for now. Only he can control the Chuomorph. We'll need that thing to break open the Keeper Vault once we're over the other Zero Demite deposit. The others you can just throw in the lava. Zeddy, despite her best efforts, couldn't help a little squeak of terror. Zondafor and the guards turned and stared at her in surprise. It's the prisoner! Get them! Zack grabbed Zeddy's hand and bolted off the elevator platform. He nearly fell the moment his feet touched the floor. He had forgotten about the thick layer of slime covering this level, and his feet slipped on the slick surface. Zack caught his balance and skated hard across the slippery floor, pulling Zeddy behind him. As they skated down the hallway, Zack grinned. They were really moving fast now, and Zeddy was getting into the rhythm as well. She pumped her thin gray legs in unison with Zack, and soon they were both skating at high speed down the hallway. He chanced to glance behind him and saw several of the security guards fall, unable to match Zack and Zeddy's speed. Look, they can't catch us! Ha <laughs> ha! Look out! Zack turned to see a group of security guards directly in front of them. Traveling so fast on the thick slime, there was no way they could stop in time. Even if they could avoid crashing into the group of hulking guards, there was nowhere else to go. Keep going! Zack skated harder and faster and heard Zeddy yell as he pulled her along. The security guards were poised like hulking linebackers, their arms outstretched to catch the escaping prisoners. In the last possible second before impact, Zack threw himself to the floor, pulling Zeddy on top of him. 
They slid on the slippery layer of slime and they never even slowed down as they whipped between the legs of the bulky security guards down the hall and into an adjacent room. The door closed behind them and they were plunged into darkness. Zack lay flat on the floor, gasping for breath. He wiped some of the thick slime off his face as he called into the completely dark room. Are you okay? Are you insane? No, I'm not okay. They want to throw me into the lava. We're all going to die and it's all your fault, monkey. The lights suddenly blazed to life and Zack squinted as he searched for Zeddy. Instead, he found Sluggy, the multi-armed steward, staring worriedly atop long eye stalks. Oh dear, this is a troubling development. I'm sure there is some mistake, your highness. I can't imagine why security would be chasing you like this. I do apologize, your majesty. Zack sighed and faced the steward. I'm really sorry, Sluggy, but I haven't been completely truthful before. I'm not the Prince of Earth. I wasn't brought here to learn about mining or represent Earth in some first contact mission. I'm here to save a friend. I'm sorry, I, I don't understand. Zeti rose to her feet and approached the steward. What this simple simian is trying to say is that my brother and I have been imprisoned here, and Zondafor is using my brother to destroy the planet. Yeah! Wait, wait, what? What What are you talking about? How is Zondafor going to destroy the planet? Now I really don't understand. <sighs> I couldn't figure out why Zondafor imprisoned Zingle and I here. We don't have wealth or influence, so why keep us locked up on this miserable planet? But I heard Zondafor say he wants to use Fluffy to open the Keeper Vault, and now it all makes sense. What is the Keeper Vault? The station is powered by a miniature black hole. It's about the size of a grain of sand, but contains the power and gravity of a small star. Exactly. Several months ago, they found a second deposit of zero dynamite, one that's sitting somewhere beneath the lava. He can't get to the deposit through all that molten rock, so I think he wants to release the black hole to suck up all the lava, leaving zero dynamite exposed. He can just grab the deposit and leave the black hole to consume the entire planet. It is not possible to open the keeper vault. The material used to encase the black hole is completely impenetrable. Nothing can break that box once it's formed. But something could eat it. That's why Zondafor wants Fluffy. A chewamorph eats anything. If Zingle could tell Fluffy to eat the box, they could open the vault and release the black hole. They were silent for a moment as they considered what Zeddy had said. Zack knew what a black hole was, of course. A dying star collapsed upon itself, crushing the entire mass of a star into a single tiny point. If Zondafor opened the Keeper Vault while they were on the planet, it wouldn't matter if they were imprisoned or not. Everything on the planet would get vacuumed up and crushed by the black hole. There are over 300 people working in this facility. He didn't even try to get us to safety. We'll all be destroyed. Zack was astounded by the sheer lack of concern Zondafor had for the people living on the planet. How could anyone be so heartless? He tried to imagine what it would feel like to be pulled into a black hole, slowly stretched into thin spaghetti by the powerful gravitational forces. Wait, if the black hole sucks up everything around it, wouldn't it just eat up the zero dynamite as well? The reason zero dynamite is so valuable is that it is not affected by gravity. Gravity just doesn't pull on it. It is used in our anti-gravity vehicles and spaceships. Given enough time, a black hole could eat the entire planet and just leave the zero dynamite floating in space. 
Great security! They found us! Zack turned to the giant slug who was wringing all of his hands nervously. I know I lied to you earlier, but I'm asking you to trust me now. We have to stop Zonda 4 from destroying the planet. Oh dear, this is so upsetting. I, I really don't know what to do. Zondafor, sir. The door is locked. Zondafor rubbed his misshapen head in frustration. I can see that, you idiot. Open the Grankin door. I want those prisoners captured. Yes, sir. Oh, what is the problem, sir? I, I was having a nap. My security guards tell me there are two escaped prisoners in that room. Oh, I don't think so, but you're welcome to look. I must return to my duties now. Zondafor and the security guards barged in but found nothing in the sparse room. You idiots, there's nothing in here. Find those prisoners! Sluggy rippled his way down the long corridor and pausing only for a moment slid smoothly through the slime into a small, tastefully decorated office. Once the door closed silently behind him, the alien's long body flopped to the floor, dropping his eye stalks into the slime. Hundreds of tiny arms along the side of his body waved weakly, fanning itself. Oh dear, I can't take any more of this excitement. <laughs> Look at me, I'm a wreck. With a horrible squelching sound, Zack pulled himself from underneath the giant slug's long body. He was drenched in slime, and he coughed and spluttered as he cleared mucus out of his nose and mouth. Oh, yeah, I can see how horrible this is for you. A thin gray arm emerged from beneath Sluggy as well, and soon a dripping Zeddy stood in the office too, coughing slightly and gagging on the little colorful square stuck in her throat. Zeddy made a futile attempt to wipe off the mucus and glared at Zack. I swear, monkey boy, you will pay for this. What? It's not my fault. Please, gentle beings, I cannot withstand any more excitement. If Zondafor is going to leave the mining facility, he will be exiting through the main cargo bay. If you hurry, you might be able to catch him there. Thanks, Sluggy. You've been a big help. Please, just stop him from destroying the planet. It's a miserable, contemptible place, but it's our home. Zack and Zeddy carefully snuck from the small office and quietly skated their way towards the cargo bay. Zack was sure they would stumble upon the team of security guards every time they rounded a corner, but within moments they came to the main cargo bay. A low ceiling hung over a wide open space as long as a football field. The room smelled of engine oil and machinery. Painted marks on the cement floor indicated where the various mining vehicles were to be parked, but there were none except for a single, black, heavily armored floating vehicle. They had arrived just in time to see Zondafor, Zingle, and Fluffy loaded aboard the floating tank. Behind them, on a floating anti-gravity platform, sat a gray box. It was surprisingly nondescript and plain. The box was about as tall as Zack and the same wide. Zack chilled when he realized that box was the only thing protecting him from the awesome power of a black hole. Zeddy pointed at the vehicle. It's a lava hopper. It's the only vehicle that can survive being outside on this planet. Once loaded, the hopper then lifted off the floor. The anti-gravity lifts stirring dust into little whirlwinds and rumbled towards a large door at the far end. Before they could move or attempt to stop the hopper, the large door opened. Rippling waves of heat cascaded into the parking area. A dry, blistering breeze rustled past Zack, 
catching the air in his throat. The hopper maneuvered through the door and floated out into the lava sea. The garage door closed behind it with a muffled thud. We're too late. There aren't any other lava hoppers we can use to follow them. We've lost them! We can't stop now. We have to find some other way to follow them. How? There is nothing we can do. There is no way to travel across the lava. We'll get roasted! Hmm. We need to find some way of floating above the lava. Is there any way of protecting us from the heat and fumes once we're out there? Well, we have environmental suits. They're like space suits, but meant to protect us from the lava. What are you thinking of? We need to build a lava hopper of our own, but first we need those lava suits. They're here on the first floor by the airlock. How do we build a lava hopper? You don't just strap these things together, you know. We'll see. You go to the airlock and grab some environmental suits. I'll worry about the lava hopper. Zeddy turned and stared at the door through which Zingle had just disappeared. Zingle told me that you saved his life. A couple times. If he can trust you, then so can I. I'll get you those environmental suits, but whatever you have planned had better work, monkey boy. An hour later, Zack and Zeddy met once again in the parking garage. Zeddy was already wearing an environmental lava suit, and had brought two more, one for Zack and a spare for Zingle, should they need it. The suits were soft and flexible, but each had a self-contained cooling unit that would protect them from the lava. A clear dome helmet completed the outfit and would protect the wearer's head. It won't save us if we fall in the lava, but these should protect us from the heat of the molten rock, and the helmet filters the air so we aren't breathing the fumes and ash. Where's your lava hopper? Zack had piled a large stack of anti-gravity platforms and floated them up from the 132nd floor. Each platform was square, each side about as wide as Zack was tall. At one end sat a small console that controlled the platform's height and direction of movement. See? We strapped these together like a raft. With the anti-gravity platforms working together, we'll be able to float up high enough above the lava not to... to get, you know, roasted. That is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Really? You, You think it's a good idea? By amazing, I mean absolutely ridiculous. Are you completely insane? You want to float over a sea of lava on a raft? Only a degenerate backward monkey race like yours could even think of something like that. Hey, I said that's enough with the monkey names. If you have a better idea, I'd love to hear it. I can't think of anything else. But I am not stepping foot on your little raft. You can go alone. Fine. Fine. Great. Even better! Zack turned back to his anti-gravity platforms, and Zeddy stomped to the wall and flopped to the floor, thin gray arms crossed and stared at Zack, her furious expression made more impressive by her large oval eyes. Zack ignored her, and in a surprisingly short time, Zack completed the raft. The anti-gravity platforms were designed to magnetically lock together to carry larger cargo. By connecting eight in a square, the combined repulsive power could lift the raft several meters above the floor. Satisfied with his handiwork, Zack grabbed a lava suit and struggled to get it on. Are you coming? Zeddy still sat on the floor of the parking garage, glaring at Zack and his contraption. I told you, no! I am not stepping foot on that thing! Zack hefted the remaining environmental suit onto the platform, then hoisted himself up as well. The platform bobbed gently as it adjusted for the extra weight. Fine, you wait here and I'll go rescue your brother. You won't last five minutes out there, monkey boy. I told you to stop calling me a monkey. You told me to get to know you before I judge you. Now that I know you better, you are still a monkey! Ah! 
Zack thumbed the control panel, and the makeshift raft floated forwards towards the large door leading outside. He was halfway across the parking garage when he heard Zeddy shout, Wait! Wait for me! Zack turned to see Zeddy running hard across the floor. Four burly security gorillas stood at the entrance of the parking garage, blinking stupidly at the escaping prisoners. After a moment's hesitation, they bellowed and lumbered towards him, their long, muscular arms propelling them swiftly across the open space. Her eyes wide with panic, Zeddy scrambled up onto the floating platform. Pressing hard on the raft's controls, Zack steered the anti-gravity platforms towards the closed door of the garage. How do we get the door open? You're just wondering about that now? Zeddy leaned over the controls of the platform and tapped a complicated series of colored buttons. They were rewarded with a blast of heat and fumes as the door rumbled to life and lifted open. Zack and Zeddy struggled to close the helmets in their environmental suits before the raft cleared the doorway, and they were blasted with the full force of Oddbad's weather. The security guards fell back, unable to cope with the intense heat now rippling through the open door. Unmolested then, Zack and Zeddy floated out into the raging lava monsoon. While fitting together his makeshift floating raft, Zack had tried to imagine what it might be like floating above a world completely enclosed with molten rock. Nothing, though, could have prepared him for the wild tempest that greeted them when they left the facility. Unprotected by the little island, the hurricane-speed winds buffeted the tiny raft and they bobbed and weaved as the anti-gravity generator struggled to keep them above the molten rock. Zeddy moaned in terror and wrapped her arms around the control console and refused to move. Zack stared, transfixed by the sight before him. It was like standing on the surface of the sun. The lava sea heaved and pulsed around him. Jets of white-hot liquid spewed upwards like geysers as competing currents of lava collided. Despite the danger this mad world posed to him, Zack found the magnificent power and beauty of the lava sea fascinating. He was roused from this hypnotic state by a panic sobbing from Zeddy. We're all gonna die! Do something! Zack shook his head and keyed the anti-gravity platforms to move across the lava sea. Zeddy had described the new location of the deposit of the Zero Dimite. It would likely take an hour or more to get to the deposit on this raft. By then, Zondafor may have already opened the vault and released a black hole, dooming them all. Zack pushed the anti-gravity platforms to their limit, trying to coax every last bit of speed from the generators. Despite the danger, Zack was beginning to enjoy himself when Zeddy spoke. What is happening to the lava? Well, what, what do you mean? I don't see anything. Of course you don't! Look at the lava directly below us! It's moving! Zack looked over the side of the makeshift raft and stared at the molten rock. Zeddy was right. The lava around the island had been a wild mixture of competing currents, where different streams of molten rock had flowed in wildly opposing directions. Here, though, the lava beneath them all flowed in the same direction. Zack could see floating pieces of pumice and ash whisking beneath them at a respectable speed. All that lava is flowing in one direction. Where is it going? Zeddy suddenly stood up and started jamming at the controls of the floating raft. Oh, for the seven sons of Stevedore, we have to get out of here! What? Why? Tsunami! Zack stared at Zeddy, that single word a cold stab of fear in his heart. He heard a deep grumbling sound and turned to see an enormous tidal wave of molten rock flowing towards him. The single wave of lava stretched up as high as an office building and far, far wider, rolling towards him at high speed. We can't go any faster! What are we going to do? This is all your fault, monkey! Do something! Zack rushed to the control panel, but there was nothing he could do. There was nothing to fix this time. No way to make the anti-gravity platforms move faster. They were just too heavy and not built to travel quickly. They were made for lifting things up, not... Wait a minute. 
We don't want to go faster. We need to go higher. Quick, help me pull the power supplies from all the platforms but this one. Quickly! Zack and Zeddy scrambled to pull the power supplies from the anti-gravity platforms until seven small gray boxes sat on the center platform. Long wires snaked from the batteries back to their respective generators. Okay, when I call it, we unplug the power supplies from each of the platforms and plug them into the central one. The unpowered platforms can fall away and will stay on the central one. The extra power on this one platform should be enough to push us up and over the tidal wave. Okay, when I count to three, you start pulling. Um, Zack? Zack looked at the giant wave. The mountain of lava towered over them. The top of the giant wave was starting to curl over as it began to collapse under its own awesome weight. Ah! Three! Do it! Do it! Zack and Zeddy yanked on the power supply cords that ran back to each platform. As each platform lost power, the magnetic coupling released and the platform dropped away, instantly vaporizing in the lava. Frantically, they plugged all the batteries into the single remaining anti-gravity platform. Their remaining piece of raft surged with newfound power, and as Zack stabbed at the controls, it started to rise. Higher and higher, the platform lifted as the enormous wave bore down on them. Zack could almost reach out and touch the vertical wall of fire, and he felt the burning heat to the lava even through his environmental suit. The roar of the tsunami drowned out Zeddy's screams as the tiny raft lifted up, up, and then over the raging tower of molten rock. Slowly, they coasted down the gentle backside of the wave until, once again, they floated serenely over the bubbling rock. As if exhausted by the tsunami, even the terrific gale force wind subsided, and for once, it was quiet. Zack lay on the deck of the remaining platform, gasping for breath, amazed they were still alive. Zeddy lay curled in a fetal position against the control panel. Zeddy? Zeddy, are you alright? No, I'm not alright! We were nearly crushed beneath a million tons of molten rock. We're stuck on a little raft floating above a sea of lava. I've been stuck on this molten planet for two years, and I am sick and tired of lava! Yeah, I lava headache. I'm really not warming up to it, you know? <laughs> oh, come on. It's the next hottest thing. <laughs> You're right. I love a giant wave of magma. <laughs> oh, please stop. That's worse than that tidal wave. Zeddy turned to face Zack, a small smile on her thin lips. Seriously, Zack. That was good thinking back there. I would never have thought to combine the repulsive power of all the anti-gravity platforms... For a simple creature from a backward little planet, you are pretty smart. Uh, thanks, I guess. So, genius? Now what? Well, we still have some power left, so we can still travel. Do we head back to the facility, or do we make our way to Zondafor and the Keeper Vault? If we don't stop Zondafor from opening the Keeper Vault, this whole planet could be destroyed. We have to stop them. Zack leaned over and thumbed the control panel. The little platform jerked once and then settled back to its leisurely pace across the boiling sea of lava. Keeper Vault it is, then. Without any landmarks to gauge their speed, it was hard to know how far they had come. But after an hour of traveling over the churning, boiling landscape, they had become rather blasé about the experience. They sat back to back, staring out at the unbroken horizon of lava. Okay, so you have to carry the bloated carcass of a domesticated animal across an open battlefield just so they can throw it on the ground and dance? Well, that's not how I would normally describe football, but okay, that's the general idea. <sighs> Primitives. Well, what do you do for fun? 
Space racing is very big for our family. As you know, Zingle is a very talented pilot. Well, sure, but what do you like? Well, I... I... I've always wanted to be an exogeologist. A what? The study of geology of different planets. That is why I came here with Zingle. I wanted to learn about zero dimite and the other rock deposits here. There are some fascinating examples of... Well, anyway, there won't be any chance of that. I don't even know where we'll go and if we get out of this mess. Well, once we rescue Zingle and Fluffy, you guys can come live with me. Zeddy smiled, but for once didn't make a sarcastic comment. Thanks, Zack. That's very generous. What's that? I heard it too. It's coming from all around us. Out of the molten rock rose an enormous shape. Like a colossal whale rising to the surface to breathe, a huge pink back lifted from the depths and then sank back down into the lava. What was that? Look, there's another one! To the left this time, another back crested, lifting out of the lava. The long, rubbery fur rippled as the molten rock poured off the back like water. Soon they were surrounded by them, a pod of giant creatures swimming effortlessly through the lava, easily keeping pace with the anti-gravity platform. They're beautiful. I had no idea anything lived on this planet. How can they survive swimming in molten rock? Zeddy gasped as one behemoth lifted a long tentacle and slammed it against the surface of the lava sea, splashing molten rock into the air. Do you realize what these are? What do you mean? Zack pointed to a group of smaller versions of the creatures, cavorting like younglings in the lava, each starfish-shaped creature about a meter across, and looked suddenly very familiar. They're jewelmorphs! This must be their home planet! You mean the most dangerous creature in the galaxy is just a baby? So don't make the grown-ups angry, okay? Zack and Zeddy watched the pod of chewomorphs gently rising and falling in the lava sea until they eventually drifted away, perhaps looking to feed on the chewomorph equivalent of plankton. After a time, Zack and Zeddy saw a smudge of black on the distant horizon, and they changed course on the platform to head toward it. As they approached, the smudge resolved into a sleek black lava hopper, hovering alone over the bubbling lava. Have they already released Fluffy? I don't know. The anti-gravity platform floated closer and closer to the lava hopper, and it loomed over their tiny raft. There was still no sign of movement from the hopper. It was only when they were up close they realized a thin cable dangled down from the hopper into the lava. Just level with the molten rock hung a large block of gray metal. That's the keeper vault. Inside that little box is a miniature black hole that could destroy the entire planet. Zack was about to speak when a side door in the lava hopper slid open to reveal Zondafor and Zingle in environmental suits. Fluffy was draped across Zingle's back like a backpack. Zack couldn't hear them over the noise of the bubbling lava and the thrum-thrum of the hopper, but he saw Zondafor waving his thick arms, gesturing wildly at the chewomorph on Zingle's back. He shoved at Zingle, who then very reluctantly pulled Fluffy from his back and dropped the pink fluffy starfish into the lava sea. The chewomorph wiggled and writhed in the lava surface, enjoying the sensation of the bubbling magma, and then at Zingle's direction swam over to the keeper vault. It attached itself to the side of the box, wrapping its starfish arms around the edges. Smoke rose from beneath the chewomorph as it ate the nearly impenetrable metal. It's too late. We have to get out of here. They're going to release the black hole. If we don't leave now, we'll get pulled in. I'm not leaving without Zingle. There was a sudden flash below as Fluffy ate through the protective material that immobilized the miniature black hole. 
Once released, the gravity of the black hole was unleashed from the vault. The shifting currents of liquid rock beneath them began to swirl as the lava was sucked down into the black hole like water into a drain. Zack stumbled as the anti-gravity platform was pulled in towards the singularity. We're getting sucked in! Zack stabbed at the controls of the flying platform, but even at full power they could not stop their inexorable crawl into the growing whirlpool of molten rock. Zondafor's lava hopper was having trouble as well. The immense gravity of the tiny black hole pulled on the armored vehicle, causing it to lurch sideways. Zingle gripped a handhold and peered out the open door, looking for the Chuomorph. Zondafor grabbed Zingle by the arm and shoved him hard out the door to fall helplessly towards the black hole. Zingle! Zack wrenched at the controls and the little raft barreled towards the falling Zingle. At the last possible instant, racing only a few meters above the whirlpool of magma, Zack maneuvered the platform under Zingle, and he crashed into it with a muffled thud. Zeddy grabbed her brother before he could roll off the tiny raft. Go, go, go! Zack stabbed at the controls once again, hoping there was enough power remaining to lift the anti-gravity platform out of the whirlpool. The platform groaned with the strain, but they didn't lift away from the immense gravity of the black hole. We don't have enough power! We can't escape! We're gonna get pulled in! Zack looked to Zondafor's lava hopper, but it was already beating a hasty retreat. Zondafor had left them there, unprotected and doomed above the whirlpool of lava. Zingle moaned as Zack frantically checked and rechecked the raft's controls. He could think of nothing that might save them. He felt heavy and tired as the immense gravity of the tiny black hole pulled at his body. He slumped on the platform's deck. There was nothing he could do. Zack was completely out of ideas. Zack looked down at the enormous whirlpool of lava beneath them. It was now large enough to swallow them, the lava hopper, and half the mining facility, and as the lava poured into the insatiable black hole, it would only continue to get larger. Ah, look! Look over there! Zack and Zeddy followed Zingle's trembling finger and spied a small pink shape thrashing frantically in the lava. Fluffy whirled around and around the center of the whirlpool as it tried to swim against the current and escape the crushing gravity of the black hole. We have to do something! He'll die! We're all going to die! They could only watch with helpless frustration as Fluffy was pulled closer and closer to the center of the whirlpool. Fluffy! As if an answer, a low rumbling overwhelmed the grinding, slurping sound of the black hole. A huge, lumbering starfish shape erupted from the lava and lifted high into the air. It's a daddy tumor! The gargantuan creature crashed down again, splashing spaceship-sized chunks of lava that threatened to crush the struggling anti-gravity platform. With an enormous tentacle, the adult Chuomorph reached down and plucked Fluffy from the swirling whirlpool of lava. The little Chuomorph raced along the length of the arm and sat in the center of the adult's body, nestled gently in the rubbery fur that covered the entire creature. The adult surged forward then and jumped directly into the center of the whirlpool, carrying Fluffy with it. No! The enormous creature fell directly on the tiny point of darkest black at the very center of the whirlpool and promptly ate the black hole. Immediately, the gusting wind and swirling lava subsided, and within minutes, the lava sea was calm again. Of the planet-destroying black hole, there was no sign. Zack, Zingle, and Zeddy all stared at each other in the newborn stillness. What in the Barubian sludge forest was that? An adult chuomorph. This is their home planet. Fluffy is a baby. And it just ate a black hole? Yep. Kind of makes you think, doesn't it? Kinda makes me want to vomit. If we thought the little ones were dangerous. 
Before Zack could reply, a low rumbling sound filled the air, and the pink mass of rubbery fur lifted once again out of the steaming depths of the lava sea. It rose until the massive expanse of the creature's back was level with the anti-gravity platforms. Fluffy climbed out onto the platform and then up onto Zingle's back. It wrapped its long tentacles around Zingle in a long last hug, then dropped down and scuttled quickly back onto the rubbery leviathan. Goodbye, little buddy! Fluffy waved one tentacle as the adult Chuomorph gently lowered back into the lava sea, and they both sank beneath the surface. After all that, and now he's gone. He'll be better off out there. He'll be with family. I guess so. Well, wait, boy. Take us home. Hey, his name is Zack. He is not an ape. Okay, uh, Zack, can you get us home? Zack smiled at Zeddy. No problem. Upon returning to the mining facility, they were surprised to see a massive spaceship hovering over the little island. Once safely back inside, they found that Zondivore had been arrested by the Intergalactic Security Agency for attempting to destroy an entire planet. They watched with pleasure as their former boss was hauled away by the security agents and taken to the waiting spaceship. Sluggy appeared beside them, wringing several hundred of his hands. His long eye stalks regarded Zack worriedly. Oh dear, it has been a most distressing day. When you explained what Zondafor had planned, I had no choice but to call the police. They arrived just as Zondafor returned in his lava hopper. I'm so gratified that all three of you have returned safely. I have arranged to have you return to your planet, your highness. Uh, uh sir, um... Zack will be fine, thanks. A ride home would be terrific. Of course. And Zingle and Zeddy, I have been authorized to transport you to wherever you like. Ah, woohoo! Vacation planet, here we come! Uh, no. You promised we could go to the Exogeological Convention on Paleo. Zeddy flashed a grin at Zack. We're going on a geological dig! Oh, no! After the excitement of the last day, Zack relaxed and enjoyed his ride home immensely. The Intergalactic Security Agency had arranged for a luxurious space transport for Zack, one that seemed very familiar. May I introduce you to the amenities here on the vessel? No thanks. I've been on this ship before, you know. I'm sorry. I have no record of an Earth human ever traveling on this vessel. I know. You said you would erase my whole visit from your memory after you dropped me off. Oh dear. That must have been some trip. You have no idea. Zingo slapped his gray palm against his forehead. He pulled at the thin little creature that had been drilling into his skin and dropped it into a pile of bugs next to his feet. 153. I've been eaten alive out here. These bugs are driving me crazy. Can we go now? Zeddy crouched down on the ground, examining a fissure that ran along the length of the ledge in which they were standing. They were perched precariously on the side of a massive cliff. Nearly half a kilometer above them sat the most deadly forest in the hundred worlds of the galactic civilization, filled with poisonous creatures and ravenous plants. Nearly five kilometers below them, the cliff ended in a spectacular array of jagged and knife-sharp rocks. Not yet. I have nearly uncovered a deposit of pyroclastic rock. I was promised a vacation planet, you know. 
Who would be calling me on an intergalactic communicator now? Hello? 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 Zingle? Zeddy? This is Zack. I need your help. There are hundreds of giant alien spaceships floating above our cities. They're demanding to see the first Prince of Earth, Ape Boy. They want to meet with the Prince to negotiate our surrender. You have to help us. Help me. Zeddy stared at her brother in amazement. Let's go. We have to help Zack. You want to leave our base camp, hike for three days to the nearest settlement, steal a spacecraft, and blast off to Earth to face down hundreds of giant spacecraft that want to enslave the entire human race? You bet. Sounds like fun. Eh, better than looking at rocks. Let's go. Written and read by Michael Taylor. Additional voices provided by Jackie Lazon, Natalie Swerda, Jen Sidlowski, and Monique Parker. This story and audio reading is protected by the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License. This means that you are welcome to share this audio with others, but you cannot alter the audio nor use it for commercial purposes. Please subscribe to Story Hour Audio on iTunes or visit www.storyhouraudio.com for other exciting Story Hour adventures.